You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and you're ending your week with us live on YouTube and Twitter. If your work week ends on Thursday, usually doesn't. Probably got a Friday coming up, too. Can't help you there. Just listen to the podcast again. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'd be more than happy to answer it. And I know you might mean well with a four-star review. Just don't do that. It doesn't – five is five. It's either five or zero, folks. Like, five Treat or us like Uber drivers. Yeah. Tre- who wants a 4.36? Nobody's picking up a 4.36 <laughs> uh, down on Orchard Street at 2 a.m. on the Lower East Side. You want those high fives. So please come at us with the upper echelon reviews or just don't chime in at all, quite frankly. We're going to be wrapping <laughs> up your week with an update on the Matt Olson rumors that's got us a little bit steamed. Are the A's getting a little bit too precious with their shortstop prospects? We dive into it. Plus, we come up with some alternate trade packages for a Cleveland star who's still on the market, and the precious shortstop conversation continues with a discussion of an infield plan that we can't get behind or really believe. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Like we've talked about a million times, the lockout is two months long at this juncture. No sign of it wrapping up. No progress being made. The MLBPA is bent like one and a half times on two of the 38 core issues and we've still got insiders dropping little nuggets in their mailbags just helpfully timed like oh in case you guys forgot about baseball i got some reports on a trade from mid-november uh so now we're talking about matt olson and the yankees for probably the eighth straight week i guess yeah it's uh it's unfortunate that this is the discourse uh then again we heard from other people who think that they're in tune to what's going on um, is that it's all smoke and mirrors for Brian Cashman to either 
blow teams away with trade offers or spend a ton of money that we just don't foresee happening. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially with the undefined uh, uh, competitive uh, tax balance, whatever, whatever the hell it is, luxury tax. Um, Just don't know what's going to happen. But the Olsen rumors now frustrating Uh, based on what we heard from Andy Martino um, before the lockout, the Yankees apparently talked to the A's, which is great. I'm glad that they were being somewhat proactive. You probably, we knew a deal wasn't going to get done before the lockout because teams with these assets wanted to sit back on them and wait and see how the prices and the market would determine, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the returns for these players. Uh, little did they know that MLB and the MLBPA would not be meeting in a productive fashion until, you know, late January. So now they're not going to have any time when the lockout ends because you have to, you have to guess everything's going to be expedited. Once an agreement is put in place, once players can start getting to spring training, once players can start being signed and traded, a lot of these guys are looking for new homes, stability with their teammates, stability with the medical staff. So it's a mess, but nonetheless, where we're trying to uh, drive the point home here is that, are, are they getting too are they getting too protective of their prospects? Because Andy SMY's Andy Martino said that before the lockout, when the Yankees talked to the A's about Olsen, the Yankees were not willing to surrender Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza. Anthony Volpe, I guess at this point, we can understand. They don't want to get rid of him. No. 2021, you're not going to see many minor league seasons like that. Five clear five tool player potentially. I don't um, want to get rid of him. Yeah, after after his draft in 2019, a little underwhelming showing in his first, you know, partial professional season, 2020 acts because of the pandemic, comes back, does what he did last year, absolutely incredible. But to not even consider Peraza being part of this package, I will sympathize with the Yankees for one second, just to play devil's advocate here. You could be looking at – we are looking at a situation where a team – who knows the Yankees are desperate. The Yankees are desperate in a sense. If they don't improve the roster in the manner in which that they need to, it's going to be another lost season. It's going to be another problem in 2022. It's going to be another bad look. So teams like the A's, understandably, would want to take advantage of that. Great. You want Matt Olson. You want a potential home run champ, uh, you know, uh, taking over the left side of the batter's box at Yankee Stadium. Well, it's going to cost you. And uh, look, we're looking at the top of your farm system, and we see that your top two prospects are shortstops. So, We'll take one of them when in reality, Brian Cashman might be like, whoa, wait, like, you know, why won't a package of Luis Heal, Trey Sweeney, and Austin Wells do the job? Why can't we do that? What if we like Peraza to maybe play second or third in the next couple of years? What what if we prefer that? So I do get that teams are may, might be over asking and a, and a team like the A's who desperately also needs to rebuild. They're in, they're, they're, both teams are desperate here. The A's really need to get the price back that is deserving – um, of Olsen's caliber, uh, but to assume that the Yankees might just, oh yeah, we have two top shortstop prospects, so we'll, we'll give you one of them, and then we'll give you more players on top of that. That's the only reason I could sit here and say, okay, well, I like that they didn't reveal their hand, and I guess that they're you know going to try to play hardball, but in reality, Peraz has got probably got to be part of this deal when you're talking other teams that are going to come to the table with offers for Olsen. The Braves might be hot on his tail because of the Freddie Freeman situation, so this is where the Yankees need to just throw caution to the wind, dude. Just get the good players, let everything play out, figure it out when the season arrives. Can't be doing this, though. 
Yeah, it's not like there's no competition either. Yeah. I mean, the A's could theoretically keep Matt Olson. Sure, I wouldn't bet on it, yeah. but I would say that the Braves are more scared than ever of losing Freddie Freeman. <laughs> They've talked to the to the A's about Olson already. The Dodgers think they have a chance at Freeman, but if they don't, why wouldn't they go out and get somebody like Olson? There, it's not. It shouldn't be Freeman or bust for the Dodgers. Max Muncie had, you know, borderline Tommy John surgery, yeah. not quite, but pretty serious surgery. It's unclear if he'll be ready by opening day. It's unclear if he'll be a DH all year once the universal DH gets approved. There are other people sniffing around Matt Olson. Now, I am tired of the new baseball calculus that tells me, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have a huge lumbering slugging first baseman or not because there are so many interchangeable, like, some people want to make the first baseman the running back. And it's like, I can promise you that having a gold glove first baseman who hits 50 bombs is better than having Luke Voigt hit 31. Like, that just is different. You can't. Like Saquon, you're not plugging Saquon Barkley versus a you know practice squad guy in there. Um, Olsen would be an impactful addition yeah. for sure. I, I don't really want to be told like, well, they'll they'll find a first baseman in the same way that they'll find a reliever. I don't know if they will. DJ LeMahieu was playing a lot of first base last year. Like that's not a that's not a first baseman. I would pay what it takes to get Olsen. I understand not wanting to jump the gun and outbid yeah. yourself. But it is important to note that they're not outbidding themselves. There are other teams in this fray that are serious, including the last year's world champs who you have to take seriously now they're not just a contender trying to get over the hump they're a world series champion trying to repeat that's a different mentality it's it's the same reason that tanking breeds losing winning a world series galvanizes a roster and breeds winning and they're going to lose a lot of guys so they don't want to take a step back they don't want to lose people who've never you know lose eddie rosario and jock peterson and replace them with people who've never been there before they want a selecting first baseman like matt olson if they have to let freddie freeman go which you know i i still think they probably don't but they don't want to take a step back. They're definitely, you know, dipping the, more than dipping their toes in. It's not just the Yankees and A's playing a game of chicken at this point. Yeah. Also, the Oswald Peraza thing, Anthony Volpe is someone you have to keep at this point, I would say. He's borderline the minor league player of the year. If not for Bobby Witt Jr., his first season in, you know, full season pro ball is basically perfect. Um, and there's no legitimate reason to say it's not like the Yankees have the infield depth to just look at the future and be like, yeah, we, we can afford to lose that guy. Like that could be, that could be a generational talent. We don't know if he's a shortstop or a second baseman yet to be perfectly fair, which factors into the Correa discourse and all the other free agent shortstop discourse. But I'm pretty sure he's somebody I want to keep regardless of future position. The Yankees have a ton of farm talent at shortstop, at least at shortstop at the moment. Volpe, Peraza's their number three. Trey Sweeney was their first-round pick last year's consensus six, seven. Roderick Arias, they just signed the top free agent shortstop on the international market, too. That's four guys who are going to be in the top ten, and that's not even to mention Cabrera, who's probably going to make the opening day roster. Yeah. I think 29 homers last year floating in the high minors. Uh, tons of talent there, but you know what? At some point, you need to be confident enough in what you're doing and the moves that you're making to be able to lose a trade. And I'm impressed the Yankees have this many shortstops, upper echelon shortstops, prospect shortstops, but Volpe and Peraza at nearly the same level of the minors with Arias and with Sweeney coming behind them. And everybody agrees Sweeney's a fast riser, might finish the year at AAA. And then where does Peraza finish the year? And then where does Volpe finish the year? It's a lot of star shortstops. And so I'm not trying to send Peraza out the door for nothing, but I am just saying that, it's not like it's just Volpe and Peraza and then the cupboard is bare and maybe yeah. Volpe doesn't work out and then what do you got? You've got other guys right behind them too. And Peraza struck out 111 times in 115 games last year. Now he's got big raw power. 
but he's not supposed to be a 35 homer guy at the big league level. He had 18 last year. I think anybody would be happy with 20, 22, 23 from Peraza. Good fielding, good instincts at short. He's a swing and miss guy. Not a lot of bat control. A lot of people are talking about, I saw Javier Baez comps floating around this week. Again, good baseball player. Would love a young Javier Baez on my team. But it's not like Peraza's without warts. He's not perfect, and he's not the only one. He's not the centerpiece of the system, and he's not a sure thing, can't miss type talent. So I think when people talk about you know Peraza in the same breath as Volpe, I think that's when people get bothered by Yankee fans overrating their prospects and overrating their farm. Because to act like both of those guys are on the same level, which people defending holding them both back in an Olsen trader sort of surreptitiously doing it, to put them on the exact same level is not all that accurate. Especially because Peraza, who we agree, top two shortstop in the system, that's great, is still behind Jason Dominguez in most projections, who is somebody who didn't really have a good year last year. Mm-hmm. Not a great stateside debut. People are souring on him. And if Peraza's <clears throat> still behind someone that's getting soured on, I mean, again, it's... It screams trade bait to me. Not not bait, but a, an easily tradable candidate. Yeah, depth and surplus. This is what the this is what the whole game is. And another thing, guys, it's just, they're just prospects. You never know. There are prospects who have plenty of great minor league careers. They come up. Look at Gavin Lux with the Dodgers, dude. You don't know what's going to happen with him. He was a consensus top three, five prospect in the game two years ago. He comes up to the Dodgers. He's played almost a full season's worth of games. 230 average with an 83 OPS plus. What would you be doing if that was if that was one of these guys that came up to the Yankees? You'd be pissed. You'd be pissed that we spent all the time hanging on to that guy and didn't get the the All Star caliber, you know, MVP caliber player when the chance was there. The other aspect of this is that, like you said, this is trading from an area of surplus. This is not. Oh man, if we get rid of this guy, we're kind of screwed in the next few years. Which I understand. If that was the case, it's not. The Yankees are not the Guardians. They're not the Rays. They're not the A's. They don't have to worry about this. They really don't have to worry about having having the the top end of the of the farm system take a hit for a couple of years because they're going to be competing. The, the infusion of young talent that they've brought up in recent years is not like is not like anything stunning to the point where you're like, oh, we can't get rid of the top end of the farm system. You know, these guys coming up second half of the year, blowing everybody away. Not really like that. So, I and there's been some exceptions with, you know, Glaber Torres, obviously, for what he was doing for his first two years. Um, and uh, I don't even know who else, because I can't even think of it right now. But there are exceptions. There are people who are good. But you can't be banking on that. They, we thought we were getting a lot more out of Tyler Wade. Did we not? Did we not think Tyler Wade was going to be a lot better than he was? I think Tyler Wade's a solid ball player after he was able to kind of establish a rhythm last year. But these are the guys you're going to hang on to and not trade from a position of surplus when you have the opportunity to do it. They're down the line. The Yankees can survive if one of these guys goes, if it's Volpe or uh, Peraza. I, I would agree that I probably don't want to jump ship on Volpe after what we just saw at a one year that was completely unexpected probably means more good things to come, but you got to give to get here. A's are going to do their best to get what they need. And the Yankees need to be reasonable. Speaking of reasonable, if you want to trade for Jose Ramirez, which, you know, kind of popped into my head this week, um, it's going to cost you. So now after hearing this crap about them, not willing to give up Praza or Volpe, I want to rescind this article. I didn't even post it to Twitter because I knew it would get ratioed and people would be calling me an asshole for whatever reason. Yes. Um, yes. I'm just trying to make the team better, guys. I'm not trying to do anything. Uh, not trying to do anything incendiary here. Um, but yeah, so you want to talk about Olsen. Olsen's going to cost 
three top pro three top tens probably what do you think somewhere yeah, around there i mean you you gotta suspect three top tens maybe a lottery ticket uh top there like i don't know i don't look i don't know it changes year to year but you're you're talking about two years control for a guy he's making 12 million this year he'll probably be in the 15 to 17 million range the year after you talk about jose ramirez jose ramirez is a perennial al mvp candidate i know he has not won yet won one yet but he is top five consistently he can play multiple positions if you need him to. He hasn't played second base in a couple of years. So I know people talk about that versatility a little bit loosely. He's more so a third baseman at this point. But if you needed him to play 25 games at second, I think he could do it. Um, he's uh, tremendous from the left side of the plate, which is exactly what the Yankees need. Um, can kind of do it all. He doesn't exactly hit for average. He's in like the two, two high 260s. Uh, but it's still fine, good though. enough. Yeah, I'm, fine I'm totally that. fine with that. That's better than anything. That's better than most of what we saw last year. Um, and you talk about his power, his ability to steal bases. He's stealing 25 plus a year. This is going to cost you, especially because he's got two years of control left. One of which is a team option for 13 million in 2023. That equates to 12 million next year, 25 million overall over the next two years, 12 and a half million AAV. You don't think that's going to help the Yankees precious salary, uh, uh, sal- salary concerns on the payroll. So you're going to have to pay here. If you're thinking about selling a lot for Olsen, you really want Jose Ramirez. This is going to cost like probably five total prospects and four of them are going to be in the top 10. And you're probably talking about, you're probably talking about another top 15 and top 20. It's a lot. It's a lot, but it's, it's like you've targeted one of the few people I just pay whatever for whatever. Right? Take it. Jose Ramirez People don't seem to real because again, Guardians again. You know, you, you you only see him a couple times a year. You remember he yeah. kills you. He kills you. Then you go to another series. You forget he existed. They trade Lindor. You completely forget that team. He has basically been the Joey Votto of the AL MVP race for the last like five years. He's not going to win it, but he's a finalist every single yeah. year. He's a third place finisher back to back years. That's extremely rare. Twenty seventeen. And 2018, um, the trade proposals you put together are, they read like overkill at first, but we're just being reasonable here because we, I mean, there's a middle ground of perhaps the two sides come to an agreement and it ends up being four top 20 prospects, three top 10 and a number 17. We don't really know. We're just trying to avoid the the fervor of underpaying here we can figure yeah. it out at a later date I, I do feel like look if they really believe in peraza and volpe we have a dominguez led package that is jason dominguez trey sweeney waldachuk yo andrews gomez who's recovering from tommy john and josh bro in the number 18 spot five for again five for one five for one crazy not that crazy here i mean you're no. certainly gonna have to give to get if you don't want to do a volpe centric package which i wouldn't i would not do that um, and I would negotiate against what the Guardians did last year for Francisco Lindor whenever I'm going to the bargaining table here and, and saying you, know, you can have one of our top three guys and you can have two of the next four or five names. You know, honestly, we, we have different combinations of different people, but it's kind of like Peraza or Dominguez, pick your guy. Then look at the next four names on our list, pick two. Um, you know, Clark Schmidt, Sweeney. Austin Wells, whatever you want, pick a pitcher from the 10 or 11 range. we got a couple of them and then pick somebody else that you love 
from the lower minors. Some 18-year-old, that's what we always do. It's like, and also a child that we like. Let's get that guy. That's how we got <laughs> Luis Heel from the Twins. That's how we, yeah. you know, finished the Justice Sheffield Mariner swap. It's always like, and we'll also take a teenager. Thank you very much. And most of them have wound up in our top 20 prospects. Like we've had a great track record with doing stuff like that. And I think other teams probably view these systems the same way. But I would essentially say, um, you know, if, if those aren't to Cleveland's liking, if they start agitating or if somebody says that's not enough, you Yankee fans don't know how to trade for people you're offering and Aaron <laughs> Frazier, like look at the Francisco Lindor trade which is yeah. uh, felt pathetic last year and now sort of just looks like the Indians. The Indians, there we go. The Guardians. Oh, my God, canceled. The Cleveland baseball team traded for two, <laughs> like, late 90s utility infielders. Yeah. Like, yeah. Andres Jimenez, I don't understand. I don't even really know what the upside is at this point. Ahmed Rosario, you want to swing and miss guy with decent defense. You might be a shortstop, might be a center fielder. He's going to hit you 240 with 20 homers. He's already being pitched by Joel Sherman as a stopgap Yankee shortstop this year in trade. Like, that's never a good sign that one of the centerpieces of you trading one of the game's foremost superstars is already on the table as somebody else's stopgap the next winter. I'm not impressed with either of those people. It's like if they traded Lindor for, like, Luis Alisea and Luis Lopez or Carlos Febulis or any other number of people who you look back on from 1999, and you're like, I was extremely <laughs> boring and not very talented. I yeah. don't know what Andres Jimenez's upside is, but he hit like 190 in a significant look last year. Very little power on display. Never intimidated me when I saw him in the batter's box. And so if if anybody's balking at these packages we put together, just think about the, what Cleveland just did. Yeah. I know, and that's that's another thing to look at. However, another disclaimer, a little bit of a different scenario. Lindor was making almost $20 million in arbitration uh, last year in his final year of eligibility, and you had to pay him because he would have been leading the next year. So it's a little bit of, um, of kind of a caveat there of why it was so – it was still disgustingly cheap and shouldn't have been that cheap, but there's a reason why it wasn't as prohibitive as, as what it would cost Ramirez. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Another reason why they might trade Ramirez is because the payroll is at $40 million for the Guardians. They have no plans, based on what we've all been reading, to, up, to further upgrade the roster via free agency. Um, or via, And I don't know what they could do Ever. via trade yeah. because they have a lot of the prospects that they actually have in the system already could be making the bump, like coming up to the bigs uh, sometime in 2022. So if you're, if you're talking about the Yankees going to pitch this deal, he'd be like, Hey, you got guys coming up like now, why not rebuild, replenish the top end of your farm? You're not really losing anything. And then these guys can come up in a year, two, three, and then you have yourself a little potential contender there. If you're talking about building a cost-effective roster, which is what the guardians are typically always into. Remember all those teams, you know, over the last five, six years, good rotations, really solid bullpens, couple of good hitters, like, Overall, not really too special, but it was like just enough to get by. So 
I don't think it's unreasonable that the Guardians would trade him this offseason. That's why I decided to come up with these packages. But then you look from the Yankees' perspective. Oh, this might be – because you're never going to win here. It's either, oh, you're underselling Yankee fans. You can have whatever you want, you spoiled assholes. And then it's, it's, oh, uh, you're going to give up the entire farm for Jose Ramirez? I mean, I'd consider it. We just gave up four prospects for Joey Gallo. Why would we not give up four or five for Jose Ramirez, who's markedly better? Um, You look at all these packages that we came up with. The first, you mentioned – um, second one, Luis Heal, Clark Schmidt, Luis Medina, Austin Wells, and Everson Pereira. Um, that's a pitching heavy package for them. I know the guardians love pitching. You give them Wells who might play the outfield, might play catcher and Pereira who plays the outfield. They've had a ton of problems over the years, getting good productive outfield help. When they traded Clint Frazier to us, it was like, oh man, what are they going to do? How are they going to figure out their outfield for these next four years? They're not going to. They didn't. Clint Frazier ended up not being that good anyway, so it didn't matter. But that was the discussion around it. And then you look at the other, the last one that that we came up with, Oswald Praza, Oswaldo Cabrera, Davey Garcia, Brandon Lockridge, Randy Vasquez, Elijah Dunham. I think that's a bit of an overpay, if you're asking me. Um, but then you're going to have these people going in and looking at where the prospects are ranked. Oh, you're giving up the number 17 and 19 and 21 prospects? It's like... Yeah, but the system, again, is deep, so it depends what you want. Also, we can combine these three packages and come up with a four- or five-player deal that makes the most sense, ranking them differently, but the common theme in all of these packages is that the Yankees can absorb these potential losses. You look at the first one, the Dominguez-led deal. Dominguez, Trey Sweeney, Waldachuk, you Andrews Gomez, Josh Bro. You have – you can make up for De- – you can't. You might not be able to make up for Dominguez because I guess he might be generational. We don't know. But you have Everson, Everson Pereira, who very good last year and has similar tools and can play multiple spots in the outfield. And then you have you have Brandon Lockridge, who say what you want, but all these guys had really good, really good showings last year to give you some some sort of hope for the future. So there's depth there. And then you want to talk about okay, I don't. Trey Sweeney, you still have all the other shortstops that you mentioned before. Not really an issue. Trade your 2021 20, 20, first-round pick, great. You got plenty more. Ken Waldachuk, I like Ken Waldachuk. I don't want to trade him. I think he's going to be awesome. But you got a bunch of other pitchers in the system that you can make up for it. So um, uh, one being Beck Way, who they really liked that they drafted last – that was last year, right, or was that 2020? 2020, uh, and they've got yeah. Brendan Beck last year too, who Brandon like, Beck, yeah. you know, second-rounder out of Stanford might be a – you know, at AAA by the end of the year, yeah. people were saying we, we didn't see much of him last year. But uh, yeah, Hayden Wisniewski people love. Like yeah. the, the Yankees have done a great job of turning these third, fourth, fifth round pick arms into something serious. And they're doing that because they have Matt Blake, who used to do that in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully like Dylan Lawson and the minor league hitting coordinators, maybe we see that stuff and all the great development work they did last year translate to the big league roster. God, that would be great. It would be very helpful if we could do that. But yeah. I know that we have the pitching pipeline. Um, yeah. Esther Cortez Jr. showed up last year and was borderline untouchable. Jonathan yep. Loisega went from an injury-prone you know, reliever who struggled with getting strikeouts to somebody who looked like the next Mariano Rivera. Um, and obviously that has very little injury-prone. You know, I'm not ready to take that tag off. But yeah, people made a lot of contact on Jonathan Loisega, and then they stopped doing that last year. So I know yeah. that. Um, so again, I don't want to get rid of Waldachuk. I don't want to get rid of, you know, Randy Vasquez is somebody I'm really glad yeah. we held on to during the uh, Gallo discussion specifically. I thought he was as good as gone in that trade. They kept him. And then all of a sudden people started saying, well, wait a minute, this guy's actually really nasty. Everson mm-hmm. Pereira too is a stud. 
And so, yeah. like, if somebody takes Everson Pereira, that's not a throw-in. That's a, we might be exactly. with thirty-five, forty homer bat at the back end of this trade. Don't get distracted by well, he's he's eighteenth on MLB Pipeline. So, like, yeah. <laughs> we we cite MLB Pipeline all the time too because Jim Callis came there from Baseball America. We cite Baseball America because they're sort of the industry standard. MLB Pipeline is an arm of MLB.com. You notice they're rating Jason Dominguez higher than anybody else's. It's because yeah. they want you to be a fan of Jason Dominguez, who's an extremely marketable name. Everybody knows. I don't think that's the whole deal there, but I think no. you know there's a reason there. There's a reason they're the heaviest on Jason Dominguez of anybody because everybody knows him. He's in the futures game last year. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think you should look at that list dogmatically and be like Everson Pereira is 15. Yankee fans trying to rip us off again. Look at the numbers. Look at the metrics. Yeah. Like there's a good chance Everson Pereira is top six next year especially if we trade mm-hmm. oswald peraza like we should yeah so uh yeah just think about think it all over jose ramirez is one of very few people who i would sort of go the distance for especially looking at trade candidates who are you know readily available or partially available yeah and like 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 the common theme here is that if they do get rid of okay you get rid of two or three pitchers you get rid of two outfielders you get rid of a shortstop and a catcher and a pitcher there's guys behind them that this organization likes. So the whole point is building the system where you have enough depth to trade from, where you're not going to feel like you know, you've been stripped bare at the end of it. They were able to make the Gallo deal last year because of the insane depth that they had. They are able to make a blockbuster trade this offseason because of the considerable depth that they built. We're giving Brian Cash- Cashman credit here. We're giving the scouting department a lot of credit here. I don't think we, – we do sit here and we say, oh, well, you can't take prospects – Prospects is gospel. There's no way to tell their projections. But guess what? When you're a team like the Guardians and you're selling a star player, you do kind of need to look at these numbers and see how they'll project and hope to to uh, and hope that it's gospel because you have no other option. This team is not spending money. They're not catching the White Sox in the next two years based on what they built in Chicago over there. So they have some work to do. And you look at the lower levels of the system. Yeah, you might have to take number 18 and number 23. But guess what? Those are higher up in those would be higher up in in a number of other systems. The Yankees ranked 13 on Baseball America's list, which I think was a little bit low based on what we've seen across the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's still solid after uh, after all that they've done um, and after that Gallo trade. I think if they have all those players from the Gallo trade and even the Rizzo trade, those two the the pitchers that they gave up in the Rizzo trade. Uh, they they weren't like overly special, but they were they were guys and the Tyone trade. Don't forget about that. So we cleaned out what eleven prospects last year, ten prospects last year, something like that in all three of those trades, and we still rank thirteenth in the league in farm system, which should arguably be higher. I think that's a win. So you got to take this leverage. You need to use this depth. Keep your best guys or as many as you possibly can. Everything's going to work out. But if you want a star player like Jose Ramirez, you want a star player like Matt Olson, it's going to cost you. It might be an overpay, but it shouldn't be anything to be afraid of. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Rowan C. Contreras, obviously, we let him go in the uh, Jamison Tyone trade. He looks good. Beast. He looks really good. He's like a tired guy. Uh, you know, you got to bite the butt every once in a while. I think we all enjoyed Jamison Tyone last year. I mean, it, you know, for, for all of that, like, I wish we had him back in the system. Sure. But is any Yankee fan worth their salt? Like crying, like, Oh, we need Rowanzi Contreras back. No. We blew it. Like, I don't know. Good luck to him. I hope he does well, but it's a yeah. trade that, you know, the Yankees needed pitching depth at that point. Tie on through a few shutout innings on a busted up ankle to get the Yankees into the playoffs last year. That mattered too. They, you know, they eventually blew the water game coming in. It's later. That's not his fault. 
But, uh, you know, Ronzi Contreras would not end up at the big league level this year. I don't know who starts that game if the Yankees left Tyone. So just note it. One more thing before we go. I saw this in a mailbag and just had to talk about it. Because oh. this is exactly the kind of pervasive thinking that gets into this prospect-hugging conversation. It's all just coming to this conclusion right now. I saw a mailbag question today that theorized that the Yankees' plan for the future is they don't want to give up Peraza, they don't want to give up Volpe because they intend on having Peraza start at short, Volpe start at second, and Trey Sweeney start at third in the future. One, very cute. It's a very cute dream to have that all those three players would make up three-quarters of your infield for the rest of time, and you would never have to pay for it. You'd have six years of those guys playing together dirt cheap. Then you'd have to choose which ones to pay. Maybe you keep two. Very adorable. But to even plan for one prospect succeeding beyond a shadow of a doubt to the point where you're saying, I will not address this position monetarily because I know I believe in this player. To even do that once is relatively foolish. Prospects. It's the 1% of prospects. Prospects bust. Not as often as pitching prospects do. So at mm-hmm. least the Yankees aren't saying our one, two, three in five years is going to be Schmidt, Yoendris Gomez, and Randy Vasquez, and we refuse to invest in pitching because we just guarantee it. At least they're not (laughs) doing that. But uh, again, if one of these three people, Peraza, Sweeney, Volpe, I love having them. I love hearing about them. I love hearing about their exploits. I love when they do well. If even one of them is an all-star, that's a win. That's a player development win. It's very unlikely you're going to get three all-stars at these positions for the foreseeable future. Uh, and most teams, by the way, don't have that. Scott Brocious was the Yankees' third baseman for a good deal of the dynasty. Like Chuck Knobloch was one of the all-time free agent busts, and he was the second baseman. If you hit on Volpe and he's a star at short and you su- supplement him with veteran talent, that's still a win. You can win a World Series that way. All three of these guys being a part of the infield for the foreseeable future is galaxy brain, prospect-hugging, fantasy nonsense from people who have you know over the past 10 years our access to prospects and our knowledge about them has increased so drastically it's no longer fringe to know the names of these prospects in the same way that everybody now has a defined detailed opinion on which nba draft pick is a huge mistake for their franchise and which is you know a home run at pick 22 you you don't really know you think you do but you don't um in baseball we know all i love following prospects always have Always will. And there's a proclivity to be envious of a team like the Red Sox, who, when we were 17-18, was refilling their major league roster with Dustin Pedroia, Kevin Euclid, Jacoby Ellsbury. You're going, they developed all these guys. What the hell? Why is it so easy? That was That's three wins. Congrats to them. They managed to graduate three people from their farm system. But they didn't pretend like it was guaranteed. They have David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. They have two superstar offensive players who stay healthy. They go out in 2004 when they're calling up Euclid and putting him on the bench. They go and get Kurt Schilling, one of the worst guys alive. But they do that. They find (laughs) Baby Drew, right? They're they're making veteran additions as well as hoping these prospects come up and help. This past year, the Red Sox really thought Jaron Duran was going to come up and close the gap between them and the rest of the American League. And he came up and was dog shit and got – but, you know, I mean, how long was it before he was demoted? Two weeks? Yeah. I hope all three of these guys have incredible futures, and I hope all three of their futures come with the Yankees. But to not bet against it 
and I'm not even talking about Carlos Correa and Trevor Story, although I kind of am, but to not <laughs> bet against it with major league level talent at least some level. I mean, again, at one position, I'll have the argument at three positions. It can't be your plan that you've already got third, second and short covered for the next seven years. So why bother? It's absolutely mental. And I know that we're kind of flip-flopping here because it's like, hey, you don't want to trade all your best guys, but you also don't want to assume all your best guys are going to be major league contributors in two years and they're going to be making up your infield as a perennial, as a potential perennial contender. That's also a little bit much. So, guys, middle ground for everything, common ground for everything. We got, we got to get there. We need to get there as a society. We need to get there when we're discussing this stuff. You look at the Yankees right now. The guys who have come up throughout the Yankee system right now, I'll include Glaber Torres to be nice, even though he really wasn't. He came up, he was in the Cubs trade, and then he was up uh, a year and a half later, not even. Um, so a lot of his development took place in Chicago. But you have Glaber Torres, you have Luis Severino, you have Aaron Judge, very good. You have Gary Sanchez, you have Jordan Montgomery. Okay, you're looking at a, you're looking at a decent group of players here. Then you got. Miguel Andujar, you got Domingo Herman, you got Clark Schmidt, you got Michael King, you got Davey Garcia, you got Esteban Florial. Did all these guys pan out? No, a fraction of them panned out, and uh, 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 and then a fraction of that is has regressed to the point where they're probably not going to be part of the team anymore. At this, you can confidently say Aaron Judge will be part of this Yankees future, as he should be, deservedly so. Hopefully. Jordan Montgomery, I think, could potentially sign a contract extension. Um, I think they like him. I think he's good enough to stabilize the rotation. However, he is a Boris client, so wouldn't really get too far ahead there. Um, and then the other guys, uh, I, I there there is no future for Miguel Andujar. I, I really don't know who would debate me there. Uh, Domingo Herman um, is is <laughs> is merely used as oh we need a guy to eat innings, so here we're going to do it. Clark Schmidt, we have no idea what he's going to do. He was brought up and misutilized in the short in 2020, and then he overthrew his arm in 2021 and essentially missed the entire season um, outside of a few starts in the minor leagues. Michael King, great guy, established himself as a multi-innings potential uh, reliever. I-, I wouldn't call that uh, developmental success if you know he was once in the top ten of the Yankees prospects. It's it's a positive, but it's not. You're not. You're far from hitting a home run there. Davey Garcia took wild steps back in his development. We don't know what happened there. That's how fast these things can turn. I'm not saying he he's not going to be able to fix it and get back on track, but what we saw last year at AAA was bad. And then you have Esteban Floreal, who I, I think could be good, but apparently there are reservations about his ability. Um, he hasn't entirely performed well in the minor leagues, and then he came up to the majors, and he actually showed a flash. So maybe he's just like a big stage guy, and he wants – he wants to soak in the moment, and that's where he's going to play the best. I don't know. But you look at those group of guys and solid, you know, I think the Yankees have done better than most teams, but it's still a fraction of a very large pool of players who end up being as good as you might think they are. Um, and they're still not really as good as they should be based on the expectations that they had placed upon themselves. I'm namely talking about um, Glaber Torres, uh, Domingo Herman, and Gary Sanchez. Those three guys came up. Domingo Herman two years ago, three years ago now, I guess, uh, four, low four ERA started what twenty nine games was it was a one eighteen of them. You're like, oh great, now we have a rotation piece. Luis Severino thought to be a co ace, 
uh, it wasn't the same thing. Injuries kind of derailed him, but that's another element of it. Guys, injuries happen. Someone could tear their ACL tomorrow and that's it. Gary Sanchez, first uh, first 175 games are the best you've ever seen from a catcher. His next 300 were among the worst you've ever seen from a catcher. Glaber Torres has had an unex- inexplicable regression over the last two years. So <laughs> to think three of these guys are going to hit and make up your entire infield is just simply insane because yes, we have guys making up the, the roster right now who were prospects, but you're looking at the Yankees heading into 2022 and you're saying, wow, this roster has a ton of holes. And not only does it have a ton of holes, it has question marks elsewhere. And two of those question marks are players who were homegrown, who we thought were going to play bigger roles than they have over the last three or four years. Um, so yeah, problematic, really not a way to go about doing this. Hey, if you're the Rays and you have three prospects that you think you're going to knock it out of the park, great, go do it. Your payroll's $45 million. That's your choice. Yankees, your payroll's $200 million. You're going to have to spend your money a little bit more wisely. You simply cannot bank on three prospects making up your major league roster in two years. It's, it's, it's absolutely senseless. Yep. Enjoy them. Don't hug them. That is it for this Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Catch us live on YouTube Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern time, and on Twitter. We'll be live there, too. And let us know if there are any more podcast platforms that I'm leaving out on my little Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. You guys have Stitcher. Does anybody have Stitcher? I don't really know what that is. If there's something else you'd like me to be saying, I can re-memorize a line. You know, I'm not a monkey. Just an organ grinder's trained little boy. I, I can do whatever. I can learn a new trick. Um, Giants hired Mike Kafka as the quarterback's coach or, or offensive coordinator. Thomas coordinator, Kenner. yeah. A- any thoughts before we sign off on uh, on Mike? Mm, uh, I wanted Ken Dorsey. I was feeling good about that, but you know it doesn't matter at this point. Giants are the Giants. They need to they need to climb high and far, and it's gonna t- it might take a little while. Um, I trust Brian Dable though, based on his offensive knowledge. Uh, so feeling kind of good about it. Um, but in the meantime, guys, you can find uh, us on Twitter, particularly me, Tommy's underscore takes. Adam, is that Adam Weinrib? Fun times. Yep. Uh, you mm-hmm. can talk to us in the official Yanks Yard Twitter account at Yanks Yard FS. Visit YanksGoYard.com. Plenty of off-season content there for you. We're trying to get there. That's where the Jose Ramirez trades are if you want to read them because, once again, not putting them on Twitter, not going to get yelled at for just being an innocent guy who's trying to have some fun. Uh, people, not are already, that people are already beefing in the comments of the podcast on Twitter. Somebody said the, the packages are insane. Somebody else said they're too light. So too that's light? Why, I mean, that's why we don't tweet it. Folks. Oh, my God. Um, Look at that. That. I mean, and again, that's why we did what we do. It, it is, it's, you're going to have to give the get. It's hard. But some of you are going to say it's, you know, your four of your top six prospects isn't enough. And then we just can't satisfy you people. Uh, yeah, can't satisfy you, but I'll keep trying. I'm relentless. Um, and until then, guys, uh, we'll talk. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the weekend, dude. First weekend in February. Hell yeah. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday, 2 p.m. live right here and on Twitter. It's going to be a great time. Yep. February, one of the worst months. Don't really know what it stands for or what it is, but everybody enjoy it, please. We'll see you next Monday. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.